Good, good morning. Always good to be here. So many memories. Faces I remember from many, many years ago, some new ones, which is always a joy as well, to see the world family here gathered across the nations. It's joyous. I'm a great believer in recognizing and having an awareness of people and things around me. Um, sometimes I can be quite deep, um, and thankfully my wife is around to sometimes pick me out from that depth and bring me some normality and fun. It's wonderful to have that. But there's some things are the moments in our life that are actually really important, and those words that we had on, we've had two lots of scriptures read from us today from Corinthians and Colossians, and the ones from Colossians, oh my word... <laughs> If we really grasp hold of what those words really mean to us and to this world, things would be very different. Unfortunately, they have to be filtered through us. But that's why we need Christ within us. Because he gives us a sense of this perspective and an awareness. And my awareness of God, I was brought up in a Christian home and um, I went to my first church meeting on a Sunday when I was two days old, apparently. I have no recollection of it. (laughs) But 59 years ago was when I had my first awareness of God. That's a long time ago. I was only a little boy. It was the first time I had an awareness of God. And during that time, I've had numbers of times when I've had an awareness. And just this morning, when we were taking communion, the thing that, the image that came to me was when people have a passion, you can see it, you know it, you feel it. And the image that came to me was randomly of Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood is a baker, and he loves bread. <laughs> and you can see it. You've never seen some of the stuff he does. And what I always love to see when he performs is when he gets a freshly baked loaf of bread, and he breaks it. And he puts it into his face. And he sniffs it. He breathes it in. Oh, it's beautiful. People who are wine connoisseurs, I'm not a wine connoisseur. But when you get a wine connoisseur and they have a wine and they mix it around the wine glass and then they take it They put it to their nose and breathe it in. There's something that happens. So when I had my little carton today and I put it down and I found some difficulty opening it and I put it on my seat and I've left a mark on the seat. If I have to pay for it to be clean, Stephen, I will do it, mate. (laughs) 
But as I looked at that, I thought, that's what we should do. When we're in our everyday spaces, we should leave a mark of aroma of Christ, a beauty, a kindness, a goodness, a joy, a love, and it lingers. That's what we should be like. We don't always succeed. I don't always succeed. Believe me. But that is what it should be like. That when we come together collectively like this, it should be more than singing songs, even though it's beautiful to sing songs. It should be an enchantment. First slide. An enchantment. I'm going to speak for a few minutes this morning about these three things, about a moment, about a miracle, and about a mission. You see, the the danger is that so often we get familiar with our surroundings, with each other. Uh, And if we're not careful, we'll miss the moments with God. I'm not just talking about when we come together in services like this. I'm talking about everywhere. If we're not careful, we'll miss those moments in life. My question is to you, what moments and what are the moments that you've experienced in your life? Let's think for that moment. That are unforgettable that are life-shaping, mind-blowing times. A birth, a death, a song, is it playing in your head now? A walk. A dance, a feeling, a meal, a piece of music, a wedding. Can you see it in your mind's eye? Maybe your own, maybe somebody else's. A forest walk. A mountain, a waterfall, a prayer, a scripture, a moment, something that is almost unbelievable, but it it stands, it sits, it sings, it plays, it walks before you and it's there in your mind. The good thing is that when you get old like me is you have lots of those moments and you have lots of memories. The challenge is not just to keep living them all the time, but to create new memories. Slide two. I wonder if you know who these people are. Does anybody know who these people are? I like to be interactive when I'm speaking, even though I'm on this platform and standing at the front. So do any of you know who these people are? If you know, put your hand up. Okay, that's not a problem. I didn't think you would. Next slide. 
That's who they are. They're scientists. They recently won the Nobel Prize in Physics. Now then, again, you may think, well, that's okay. Well done. I mean, the lady who's there, she's only the fifth lady in the century to have won it as a woman. It's amazing. Let me tell you something which will blow your mind. What they've done is they've been experimenting with light and sound. And they've created this new word called an attosecond. So it's to do with time. It's called an attosecond. Now get this. What they've managed to do is to break down this attosecond to one millionth of a trillionth of a second. Now, we can't even comprehend that. One millionth of a trillionth of a second. You say, oh, well, that's impressive. But what's that got to do with us? Well, it may have something big to do with you one day or to somebody close to you. Because what this has done is given them the opportunity to understand the mechanisms that are governed by electrons, pulses of light, in order to study the inside of atoms, which we know are really small. The good thing about this, in medicine, this will have an amazing impact. Because they will be able to detect cancers quicker than ever before. Now, most of us here would have been impacted by cancer. Of some not nature, either personally, or the family, or a friend member. We know how devastating it is. Oh, my word. A moment of something that is happening. Next slide. Where is this? Come on, where is this? Somebody said Nottingham. So some of you people who understand about spatial awareness and you know where we are physically in the map. So where we are here in Clifton, where would that point towards. So you can see on the right-hand side, you've got the castle. You've got St. Mary's Church. You've got the River Trent. That was a painting from 500 years ago. 500 years ago. So where would that be? Would that be that way or that way or that way? Where would it be? I'm trying to work out. Anyway, it's somewhere over there. It's Nottingham. Now then, if we could transport ourselves back there then, you can see it's underdeveloped, ab absolutely. There's somewhere, the, the, what's that famous pub? It's in Nottingham. That's it. That'll be there somewhere as well. That had probably existed 300 years before that it was taken, painted. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Mind-blowing things. That is Nottingham. Now it's completely different because it's got built up Cars and roads and buildings and libraries and schools and everything. But that's Nottingham. Now, you can imagine the conversation was very different 500 years ago. Very different than what we would talk about now. 
There they would be talking about witches and warlocks and wizards and ghosts and ghouls and demons and angels and devils and God. Church building. One of the biggest things there, even at that time. You see, what they were doing, they were actually verbalizing their external threats to them personally. This was the language of enchantment. So in those days, when you would talk about enchantment, hallowedness, they would get it. They would be able to externalize it much more. Largely in our English culture, we live in this sacred... No, we don't. We live in this secular, skeptical age. That's what we do. Now, I love it. When I'm with my I'm African brothers and sisters, and you know, I eat meals with them, I love to eat the meals, I love jollof rice, and I have conversations, and, and we talk about things, much more so from the African culture, the language of enchantment is more obvious. It is. Absolutely. Having traveled all around Africa as well, I have seen that and felt it. But in our English white culture, it is not like that, largely now, because of this, uh, this secular and skeptical age we live in. We've actually forgotten. When I say us, I'm talking about our culture, us as people, not talking about you personally. We've made everything about us. We've internalized everything. That's why we see so many things of self-help and all these sort of things, and it's about us and our rights and all this stuff. And I am not saying that some of that is not right. It's okay, some of it. But actually, we've internalized everything. And because of that, we've largely forgotten and forsaken God. And we've reduced him to a self-help guru. That's often what we've done. Something that is either distant or irrelevant. Uh, and so that's why we find it so difficult to be Christian in our everyday spaces. Just over a year ago when I was here, I spoke to you about God in the wilderness. That's what I spoke to you about. God in the wilderness. And what beautiful God he is when we see him that. See, faith is about enchantment, or rather, re-enchantment. That's what faith is. That's why it's so important that we have each other. It's so important why when we are in the streets where we live in, or the places where we work, or the, the places where we play, where we have leisure, that we are actually, in these ages, we've heard about it today, twice in the different in the different scriptures of reconciliation. It is about having, getting them to reconcile what they are and who they are with God. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, the thing that I know is that both Christians and non-Christians alike have this dislike of evangelism. We don't like it. We're told to do it all the time, but actually, well, you know, I'm not sure. But it's much more fundamental than that. If we truly understand those scriptures which have been read to us today, we will know this invisible God becomes visible through us. And that's crazy. That's dangerous. How can that work when Christ lives within us to give people an awareness of God to an enchantment? You know, I believe that God manifests himself 
everywhere, in everything. I believe that the core of my being. In people, in nature, in events, he is everywhere. And we cannot be without him. The only problem is, we don't see it. We have this blindness. We don't see him in the streets. We've even sung about it today. You know, Jesus in the streets. He's in my family. Absolutely, we can sing it. But then we go out in our everyday spaces. How can we live this? Well, I would encourage you to look for a moment. Next slide. Look for a moment. Now then, I'm not going to be able to get through all this. Because my... my um, Former, my friend, who will tell me the truth, will tell me what time we finish here. I, I'm, on a, I'm on a clock. And if I go past that clock, some of you are looking at your watches. <laughs> but maybe we'll have a moment. Maybe God will show up. Maybe he will say things to us. I want to tell you very quickly three stories from the ancient scriptures told from the Gospel of Luke. Now, are there any people here in the medical field? Are you doctors, nurses, anything like that? Medical, okay. Most of us have a connection with medicine because we go there. I go there. I'm a diabetic, so I have to go regularly, lots of stuff. So we have that connection. Well, Luke was a doctor, okay? He was a great storyteller. I encourage you, if you've not dipped into the book of Luke recently, go into the book of Luke for a bit and have a look in there. It tells fantastic stories. And I'm going to tell you three stories very quickly. The first one, next slide, is this box. Now, I don't know about you, but I find my, most people have a box. <laughs> I have boxes, numbers of them. I have to put them in the attic because my wife will not let me have them downstairs. There's so many of them. There's clutter everything, rightly so. We have a box, and we could put things like clothes in boxes, often with um, kids' clothes, if you've had children, and some of them you kept as a memory. Some of them put pictures, you know, not talking about iPhones now, we're talking about old photographs, so you may have them in boxes. You may have numbers of things in boxes. I've got stuff in boxes which I had when I was a kid, travel with me around the world. I have things like that, I'm sure most of you do. I like to think, and this story we're going to talk about, that this thing in a box was beautiful. There was this um, story, you'll find it in Luke chapter 7, about um, these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. And um, Jesus went to their home. And Mary, the story says, was not a good person. I mean, she was not nice. She was a sinner. You know, full on. But one day when Jesus came into the house, she did something. She had a moment. She opened up this jar. And a beautiful thing happened. And she wept. And with her tears, she was crying so much, they fell on Jesus' feet. Now, listen, hey, we've, I think most of us come in shoes today, sandals. 
But in those days, they didn't have roads or anything like that. They didn't have taps or anything like that particularly. They had filthy, smelly feet when they came into a house. Jesus was no different. And this lady wept because she had a moment. She realized who this person was. And she took out this jar of perfume. And it was really expensive perfume. Like, I don't know, Chanel or something like that. But it would cost a year's salary. So, I don't know what the, what the national salary is now, about £23,000 a year, I think, is the average salary, they say. Can you imagine a bottle of perfume with £23,000? There, there are some. And that's what she did. She poured it, anointed Jesus. And she got criticized for it. When you have moments, people often criticize you. What's the miracle from that moment? Well, Jesus said, this woman will be known through the generations of her love, her adoration, and her generosity. That's the miracle. Because today, we're talking about Mary of Bethany. We're remembering. We're seeing. And it was a miracle. Because Jesus said, Mary, your sins have been forgiven. Ha. Your sins have been forgiven. These weren't little sins. These were big sins, people. So we've got a moment, we've got a miracle that the sins are forgiven and we've actually got a mission because we are doing that today. Next slide. And here, there was a man um, in the Bible called Malchus and you'll read about him in Luke 22, again, in the book of Luke. And he was there. So this guy, Lucas, he was the servant of a high priest and the context of the day that Jesus was being a disruptor and he was saying things and people didn't like him, especially the religious people, because he was breaking their familiarity, he was breaking their certainty. And so he said, we're going to have to do something about this. And so he sent his servant, Malchus, to go and find out about this person, Jesus. And then Peter had a moment. Because Peter was there. Remember Peter? He was the impetuous one. He was the one who always wanted to be there first, doing stuff, walking on water, whatever it was, he would be there. And what he did, he didn't like what was happening to Jesus because he wanted to crucify him and he didn't really understand what was going on. And so he got a sword and he actually went and he got this guy's ear and chopped this guy's ear off called Malchus. I mean, he was, he was only the servant of a high priest. He wasn't even a soldier, this guy. But in that moment, a miracle happened. Try to picture it. It all was going on. And Jesus must have bent down, picked up this ear from the ground, and put it back on. And he healed him. A miracle. 
an absolute miracle. Remember, a moment, a miracle, a mission. So what was the mission? Well, the reason that Malchus was there was the high priest had told him to report what he had seen and heard. So this high priest, who wasn't really happy with Jesus and everything, suddenly he's going to get first hand from his servant, I have seen this Jesus. I have felt this Jesus. I have heard this Jesus. Look, he even got my ear done. That was his mission, to report back to the high priest. Third story. Next slide. Can anybody remember this tree? It's been in all the middle social media news. The sycamore tree along Hadrian's Wall in the Gap, where countless people have been proposed to where countless people have taken ashes of loved ones and put them at the base of the tree. And somebody, for some reason, or some people, decided to take it down. Now then, we can connect with that tree for different reasons. I love trees. I love trees. I just bought a book called The Secret Life of Trees. It is brilliant. <laughs> My word. Remember another story from Luke 19. There was a story about a sycamore tree. Do you remember? What happened with that tree? Do you remember? Come on. Yeah. Somebody climbed up it. A short man. I don't know what that means, but it was a short man. A guy called Zacchaeus. And he went up this tree. He wanted a moment. This guy was a wealthy guy. He was a chief tax collector. So, you know, he took what he needed and gave it to the Romans and he kept a lot to himself. He robbed people. He was very wealthy. And it was only a moment that changed him. And Jesus, somehow, because I mean, they're big trees. I think that one's about 300 feet tall. That one, that tree. He saw this guy in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I want to go to your house. Maybe he said, I want some bread and wine. I don't know. But he wanted some food. And Zacchaeus saw him back. And that was the miracle. Because it changed him. So what was the mission? Well, Zacchaeus not only gave back, he gave back like four times as much, didn't he? Is that, is that the story, I remember? That was his mission. You see, when we have a moment and we understand a miracle, we'll always have a mission. Always. 
always will have it. Turn to slide nine, please. When I was preparing the message this week, and I was thinking, okay, Lord, you know these people, you know what they're going through. I don't know what they're going through, but you do. And so I wanted to say something, say some words that would help you, that will give you some understanding of Christ again. Maybe to have a moment. You see, the moments, those special moments that we experience, which don't happen very often, they help us to live in the moment between the moments. Our everyday life, the moment of life, time goes on. Things happen. Things don't go according to plan. Things happen. We get distracted with life. Sometimes as Christians, we go through stuff which we can tend to have this lack of awareness of God. I went through that some years ago when I was sort of going through my understanding of faith again and deconstructing some of the things that I wanted to understand more. And eventually I, I just was lost, really. I lost myself. And worse than that, I lost the sight of God. I lost that sense of awareness. That sometimes that happens to us. Sometimes there are issues which we are very passionate about and so I'm a very strong sense of justice, you know. In the personality type, I'm off the chart with a J, you know. In the Myers-Briggs thing, I'm off the chart. And that is really bad sometimes. Because I want justice. I want to understand. I want to know. And years ago when I was on that journey, I lost a sense of awareness of, of God and Jesus. I forgot those moments but thankfully I had some good people around me who walked with me, helped me to understand. You see, for some of us, a miracle might be just getting up out of bed in the morning. For some of us, a miracle might be just even trying to smile. For some of us, a miracle may be regaining some of that lost hope. Because familiarity, sometimes, we forget. We forget. So my questions as I close is, what has distracted you? What has blinded you? What has silenced you? When was the last time you had a moment? When was the last time you had a miracle? When was the last time you realized you're on mission? Not to get people saved, 
But if you want to do that, it's fine. That's Jesus' job anyway. It's not just to fill the empty seats in church buildings. It's much, much deeper than that. It's to fill the earth. That's our mission. With God's presence and purpose and power through broken vessels like us. Because the truth is, we fail. We fall. But I want to tell you, we can rise again. You can rise again. But we have to make ourselves vulnerable. We have to allow ourselves to see God in a new way. Maybe for the first time. Maybe for the thousandth time. But to see God. To see Jesus working on the streets. In our offices, in our homes. To believe that he's doing that. In times we don't even see it. But ask God, open my eyes. Open my heart. Open my mouth. Fill me again with your love. Because why do we need that? The answer's on your wall. Because love has won. That's what the cross did. And even the times when we are in despair, in dismay, we are wondering why we're going through what we're doing, what's happening, can't understand it. <sighs> Open your eyes and ask God to give you a moment, a miracle, a mission. I'm just going to ask Paul to come up and just to play some background music. Don't have to sing, just play some of the guitar. And if it will help you to close your eyes, close your eyes. If it doesn't make any difference to you, that's fine. But forget about all that's going on at the moment in your life, for the moment. Forget what's going to happen tomorrow. Forget about all those complications in your head about why you can't. And just focus on Jesus.
So this Paul plays in the background. I just want to offer a prayer to you and it may be that you have been connecting with what's been said this morning and you say, Lord, I've gone blind to people, to myself, to you. Then if you want Jesus to do something, just invite you to put your hand, one of your hands over your eyes and put it over your eyes. The second thing is, maybe you're here and you just know your heart has gone cold or it's gone stony. It's gone whatever. Then you put your hand on your heart. Maybe you realize you've been active, inactive, not believing you can do anything, not believing you can have an impact on other people's lives. That's to do with our orthopraxy, our hands, our doing. Then you lay one of your hands on your hand and pray for something to happen. Your eyes, your heart, or your hands. Father God, as we are here today and we've hopefully allowed ourselves to look at you with fresh eyes and have a fresh heart and fresh ears again to hear something different from you. Lord, we offer ourselves again to you as living sacrifices. In all that we think about ourselves, you think something different and better. Father God, thank you for forgiving us Thank you for the moments we have in our life. Thank you for the miracles. Now, Lord, help us with your mission to fill this earth with your presence and your power. Amen.